0: Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Really, I'm in the zone. I'm really thinking about the scriptures, and somebody leaves me this. It says, Spiders. If you uh, follow college basketball, you realize that the spiders aren't my favorite animal right now, as they, uh, the Richmond spiders beat my team in the first round of the tournament. So now I'm distracted from the word of God. Thank you, whoever that was. But, um, you know, last weekend I was, uh, <clears throat> Friday and Saturday, I was in Columbus at a, um, a training for uh, Rotary International. Um, I'm going to serve as the president this next year of our local Rotary Club. And so we go to the, the uh, training for that. What was that? Spiders. Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it's just an opportunity to, uh, to learn how to lead the, the organization for a year. They bring in really great speakers, and it, it, it was really effective, and I enjoyed it. But on Saturday morning uh, at breakfast time, they, they had a guy speak from a national level. And it was obvious his whole life had, had been given to Rotary in and, and so many ways. And he, had, he was a dentist who had actually ended up retiring and just serving uh, Rotary full time. And so he's given his uh, inspiring spiel about why we should uh, be excited about being a Rotarian and yada, 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 you know. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and, and he starts to talk about the benefits of Rotary in his life, how it was so holistic where he found, um, he found a a, a group that had integrity, he found a group that had fellowship, he found a group that had purpose and service, and he said, I found a group that, like, I just love to be with, I had a lot of fun. He said, I was in other clubs, he said, I had a poker club, he said, it was a lot of fun, but there was no integrity. He said, I was also a member of a church. And here's what he said. He said, there was a lot of integrity, some fellowship, but there was absolutely no fun. And I'm sitting there at that table and I want to stand up. Be like, you don't go to my church. Thank you for painting the church in that light. And I've thought about that. I've mulled about that. I've chewed over that. I've realized that in my own years of being a pastor, there has been no doubt people who have shared with me that one of the reasons they hesitate to walk through this door, those doors, they do so sporadically or they don't at all, is because they have come to an environment where it is absolutely not life-giving to them. There's reasons for that. And I get maybe sometimes church doesn't seem like it's too fun. It's viewed as a place of, of rules. There's an understanding of God that it's a place where you, you are always reminded how you fall short or what you should be doing. And that doesn't sound fun, does it? And so often maybe church has been that for a lot of people. I also realize that sometimes I don't feel like I'm moving. Only my mouth, and that sounds a lot bigger than my mouth. But, um, <clears throat> it's also like a place where, yeah, like the liturgy can be boring and not fun. And and we say things, and you sit and listen to a guy talk, and, and some Sundays it's like, oh my goodness, this guy just quiet. <laughs> right? And it can be not fun. But as I've thought about being a pastor, I've realized that I have definitely had many conversations that the reason why people don't like to come to church and it's not fun for them is because the minute they walk in the building, they feel like they're in a place of judgment. They feel like they're in a complete comparison world. For the minute they walk in, all they can see is what they seem to be perfect people who are trying to do all the perfect things. And yet they know how their week has went, how their life is going. And they look around and they're like, this is not fun because I walk out of here feeling so much worse about myself than when I came in. Can anybody identify with that? I found as a pastor the big reason people don't come to church... Or don't like church is because it seems like this is just a big place of judgment. And unfortunately, they are right in a lot of contexts. You know, we've been talking through this sermon and understanding what the blessed life looks like. This is the way laid out by a good and gracious Father who wants his children to experience goodness and blessing in the world he's created. Obviously, this world has been distorted by sin. It's fallen. It's dysfunctional. And so when Jesus proclaims the way of the new kingdom in this fallen, dysfunctional world, it is an upside-down theory to what they have grown accustomed to. Not only was it different from living in the kingdoms of the world they were in, but it was so different than even the religion that they had been taught and understood. And Jesus comes along and as he's introducing the new kingdom, the new reality, the new blessing, this new life in God through him, he is reminding them as we've walked through in verses chapters 5 and 6 that blessing is not in what we accumulate or accomplish, but it's in allowing our heart to be transformed so that we can understand that the blessing of life comes when we love God unreservedly, full-heartedly, we follow Him, and out of that, we lean into and experience what it is to truly love others as ourself. That's blessing. That is what you and I were created to do. And we will never experience the full, abundant life that Jesus has promised, he secured through his own life, and that God has planned for us if we do not allow our heart to be transformed, not just behavior modified, but transformed so that we then can experience what Jesus said that all of the book, this book, hangs on two things love God with all your heart and love others as yourself. And so we come today to chapter 7, to a place uh, where we see the words of Jesus and what he wants to do in our hearts, and I believe that these verses can unlock tremendous blessing for you and me. I even feel like that maybe some of you today have been stopped from living into the blessing God has for you because these areas of your life are your biggest hang-ups. And the blessed life for you is never quite lived into because what's going on here in chapter 7, the first 12 verses, are a major hang-up. Here's two things I want us to grab a hold of as we think through these 12 verses. We find blessing, the blessing promised by God in this and how we live into the blessed life in these areas of our life are in these two things. One, we find blessing because, one, Jesus reminds us that blessing comes when we give up the weight of trying to be God. That when we live into this new reality that I'm not God, I can't do the things God does, and in fact, I get stressed, anxious, bitter, frustrated when I try to assume the role of God in my life, and I try to be something I was never equipped to be. Blessing comes when we try or we give up the weight of trying to be God. The second thing I noticed from this passage is blessing comes because we experience deepening fellowship with one another. Again, love God. Love others. You were created to live in relationship with God and out of that, this triune God who's this beautiful relational God who creates us in his image and causes us to live in relationship with him but our lives are only complete when we experience full, transparent, vulnerable, deep fellowship. Koinonia fellowship is what the New Testament calls it with one another. And blessing, he reminds us, Is when you and I can connect with one another on this deep, deep level. Are you with me still? All right. So let's unpack this and see what in the world it is that God has for us this morning through His Word in Matthew chapter 7. Here's the first words of Matthew chapter 7 Do not judge. How many of you have ever heard this verse? Of course you have. It is now, according to studies, the most quoted verse in our culture. What used to be John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only... His only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This hopeful message of the gospel verse was the verse that we all knew most has now morphed in our culture to this being the most quoted verse in the scriptures. Do not judge. Do not judge. Yeah. I would also say that not only is it the most quoted verse, but it has become one of the most twisted verses. You might have said this before and you might have sat in an environment where this has been said and quite honestly, probably most of the time, it has been badly misused and ripped out of context and used as a way for somebody to justify their own lifestyle instead of, the primary purpose of what Jesus said. It's kind of this do not judge in our culture. You can't tell me I'm wrong about anything that I'm doing. It's kind of this live and let live. Don't judge me. I won't judge you. You find your right. I'll find my right. We'll live and let live. And so these three words that Jesus offers in this life-giving life giving Sermon about how to experience a blessing have been ripped out and used basically for us to just kind of do our own thing and not feel bad about it. However, there is much more to this passage than these three words. Because actually, I mean, if you're a thinking person, you would see that after Jesus says do not judge, then we walk down through a chapter where we're trying to make judgments about things. We're trying to figure out what a twig is, what a plank is. We're trying to figure out who are dogs and pigs and pearl and, and, and all these things. We even read Jesus later in this same verse, tell us specifically to understand false prophets, to understand wrong teachings, to make judgments on what false teaching is, good and evil, and to do so with a righteous discernment or judgment. I mean, most of the Sermon on the Mount trains people to make judgments or discernments about how they live in relationship to God's purposes. So here's what this is. Jesus is giving us permission always to tell right from wrong. The do not judge does not mean we just lost all standard for living, and to have any kind of standard or expect there to be a standard or to understand the expectations of God is, well, if you do that, you're judgmental, is not at all what Jesus is proclaiming here. This is not telling us to, to stop discriminating between truth and error. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 reminds us it's a child that doesn't know the difference between good and evil, that becomes victimized and prey to Satan's cunning craftiness because of an inability to discern. We must discern. We must discriminate. Did you just hear what I said? <laughs> Don't somebody clip that for YouTube or social media. We must dis- discriminate. Like that is as unPC pc as you've heard in a while, right? We must discriminate between truth and error, right and wrong. To say that do not judge causes us to lose our minds in understanding what is right and wrong would be to totally misapply, misunderstand not only this verse, but the whole totality of Scripture. In fact... Elsewhere, Jesus gives a direct command, John chapter 7. He says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Right? So, can I keep moving so I don't belabor the point and you're all thankful for that? That do not judge doesn't mean all of a sudden that you and I throw right wrong expectation standard for living out the window right and that's not what it means can't mean logically could not mean in what is even being taught in this passage in all of scripture there must be something else here being said that i need to grab a hold of and my, the modern cultural understanding of do not judge is not, hey, you find your right, I find my right. We really don't have any standard or measurement of judge. It's just kind of what you feel and what you think, where you come from, what makes you happy. That's not what's being said here. All right? That's not do not judge. He simply is bringing them to a point in a very judgy culture a very religious judgy culture in his day, and what has always been a problematic issue for all of fallen humanity. This is what we have a tendency to do. He is reminding them that you and I are not in a position to be a judge over people. We're not the final court. Have you forgotten That you are not God. That is the bottom line. To judge other people, their motives and so forth, is to play God. It is to usurp the divine position. John chapter 5 tells us that judgment only belongs to God when it is in relation to people. Every time you sit in judgment on someone, every time you criticize their motives, or every time you think you have a right to make an evaluation about them, you have started to play God. James chapter 4 reminds us of this. I'm going to read it just from the scriptures today. John chapter 4, 11. What is being said by Jesus is judgmental people are people who set themselves up as making judgments about the condition of somebody else's spiritual destiny in life. That's just not our role are you still with me I like to say it this way this is kind of where I came to this week in this simple phrase we are called to judge behaviors and not people we judge behaviors not people you say that what how do you do that Is that even possible? How do I divorce behavior from people? Well, I'll tell you, it's really hard. That's why the rest of these verses matter so much to us. But it is very clear that Jesus says that living blessed calls for you and I to see very clearly that you and I cannot ever sit in judgment over other people. That to move into that world will rob you of the blessing, the Jesus life that God has for you. That you begin to do that, you begin to try to rob, which you can't. But in your mind, you think you can't. You take authority from God and make it your own. God only, God only is a judge over his creation. Can I get an amen? Okay, we're gonna move on because it's easy to say these things, right? It's easy to say these things. I've thought about this a lot this week. It's easy to stand up here and say these things. It's a lot harder to live this out. It's super hard to live this out because I feel like one of the deepest-rooted sinful conditions mankind has is comparison. Right? Some of you absolutely live on comparison. Some of you don't care. We know that. <laughs> Did you look in the mirror this morning? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Others of you, man, it, just because of your makeup, your environment, your background, your, how you were parented young, like you just thrive. Like you feel good when you compare to others well. And you feel bad when you, you're not doing as well as your friend or your coworker, Your whole life is affected by how you're doing in relation to other people. And this sinful world thrives on this. It's built on this. And the kingdom of Jesus is trying to destroy this. And one of the ways is he reminds us that being blessed is just in your mind as soon as you start to go down that road and say, nope, not my role, not in my place. I'm not God. Not playing God, not equipped for that. And if I go down that road, I'm going to be super frustrated because there's a lot of things that I will never understand that only God understands. God sees everything. I don't see everything. God knows every person, their background, the reason, the motive, the heart. I don't see any of that. All I see is some actions and then I begin to read those actions as, you know, like, okay, I'm putting them in the not Jesus people box or bad person box and that's not my position. Now, I can say, listen, their behavior and the word of God, they don't mix. I'm not following their example. Like, I'm not making them a role model in my life. I'm not letting them influence my life because look at their life. Man, I I can judge that this behavior does not match the word of God. I'm not following that example, but at the same time, while I'm not following their example, I'm also not sitting there thinking, well, they're headed for hell. Adolf Hitler's <laughs> like kinda like uh. but honestly I've thought about this, this week. It's not. I leave Adolf Hitler with God. I know that sounds ludicrous, and I'm using a far out illustration where it seems obvious that his whole life was right. I'm not following his example. And it seems obvious to me that his life leads to one destination. But that's not my call. That's not my role. That's not my responsibility. And I refuse to waste time on trying to figure out where he's at. It's not my lane. I need to stay in my lane. Amen? Okay, yeah. I I think this is, we're getting it, yeah. Here, I just want to share a few things to help us with this. I think we're tempted to judge when we think the worst of others. This is just a checklist. Maybe you and I can walk through uh, at home. It's in your notes online and stuff like that. Um, just kind of a self-diagnosis. Do we tend to think the worst of others? Th- that just leads us right into bumping up to beginning to judge others, to sitting in authority others to having a superior mindset over them do we only speak to others of their faults you ever met those people Uh, maybe you don't but i'm a pastor and it's almost like you know as soon as someone is headed towards you you know it's going to be a negative conversation those are always wonderful people like please can i talk to you again tomorrow come on you have those people in your life Think about that. We only speak to people with their thoughts. We're tempted to judge when we judge an entire life only by its worst moments. Amen. Some of us have had some pretty unshining moments, you know, in the in the realm of the basketball one shining moment tournament. This year. we've had some unshining moments. Some of the greatest people that have ever lived have had some very unshining moments remember that some of us have made super bad mistakes at some time that is not that does not have to be a career or a life definer amen and living with that mindset when people mess up really bad take a step back and say does that have to define their life no It doesn't. Anyway, I'm going to keep moving because I'm going to be timely today. We're tempted to judge when we judge the hidden motive of others. You ever done this? I do. I'm just going to be transparent with you. Somebody says something and I think they meant something else. And I think they meant the worst. And that's why the sanctifying presence of not only the Holy Spirit, but my wife and my life has saved me from a lot of bad things she's like, whoa, whoa, Chip, you're like reading something way beyond what is true. And she has stopped me from making a complete fool of myself many times. Because I was judging motives. And I didn't even, and you know what? It's so funny. Almost all the time, almost all the time. In a later conversation, I totally misread everything. And I would have made a complete fool of myself by looking at and saying, what do you mean by that? Is that what you mean? They'd be like, no. But like just now, understanding that, I'm trying to get away from ever trying to be a judger of people. And so these are things in my own life, I don't know their motive. I gotta shut up. Last thing, we're not mindful that we will also be judged. Because here's What is said, do not judge, you too will be judged. The same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I don't know if I want to spend a ton of time here because I want to be timely, but the idea here is obviously that when we begin to move into that role of judge, we have now tried to assume the position of God himself. And the worst thing that you and I could do is to think that we are God. I mean, this is what caused the whole problem in the first place in the Garden of Eden, right? Can't you be like God? Don't you want to be like God if you eat this fruit? And so he's saying, listen, you move into that world, that's not good for you because the worst place you can go is to begin to think you're me. You can determine people's condition and destiny and place. Right? So that being said, and how hard this is, watch how Jesus helps us to adjust to this. Look at what he says. He says this. Like, we're hit by this. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can do this. But he says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye or splinter or twig? I like twig or splinter better than this Translation, and pay no attention to the plank or the two by four in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, what are you supposed to do here? You are supposed to remove twig and plank. Like we need to make things right. Like so many times we've looked at this and said, just leave, I'll leave them alone because I got bigger issues. No, both of you are supposed to fix it. But you need to fix yours before you go to your brother and try to help them fix theirs. See, there's fixing going on here. There's behaviors that need to be changed. But he's saying, listen, I want to remind you that in this area of not moving into being a judge over others and being judgmental, which is not the blessed life, and it's stressful for you because if you become the authority, then that's just a whole world you don't want to move into because this world is confusing and you're just not equipped to be God. And there's no blessing in trying to be God. He's saying, Well, here, I'll help you. Just remember that every time, remember the old, like, when your parents, when you point a finger through, you're pointing back at you? Anybody else ever have that? That's kind of the idea. Stay in your lane. In fact, he says, people that do this judging, I think the plank, the big two-by-four, is actually self-righteousness being said here. And honestly, your self-righteousness is a way bigger deal than whether someone committed a sin. Your sin of self-righteousness is like a two-by-four. I mean, Jesus condemns sin. But he never really, like he forgives sin. But the one thing he he condemns, the sinners he forgives in the New Testament are self-righteous people. There's no toleration. He's saying, listen, I'll help you not judge. Remember that you're not perfect. Only God is the one who has the authority to judge because he's perfect. So just pay attention to yourself. But watch as this continues to progress he throws in this kind of like, "Do not give dog. do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not turn your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under feet, turn and tear you to pieces." And this verse has been ripped out so often and used as standalone. He's saying, "Listen, don't judge. Try to help people. Remove the twig, but first do it by having our own hum- humble attitude of like, listen, I'm not perfect, I'm flawed, we need to help each other. And when I try to go help somebody and they they reject it or they scorn me or mock me, just walk away from them. Don't persist in it. Don't throw this. It's like dogs were not what they are now. I mean, Nellie our dog Nelly, like, we've totally domesticated dogs now, right? In that culture, they hate them. They were like pigs. It's like, don't, 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 don't give them something valuable. They'll just trash it. So you, if you're trying to, to live out this principle of not being judgmental but helping one another and saying, listen, I got a lot of faults and, and I, I want us to help one another to grow in grace and be accountable to one another and, and they look at you and say, what are you talking about? Just walk away from them. Don't try to help people that don't want help is the idea here. Don't force this whole thing. You're trying to do a great thing. They're not receiving it. Don't double down. Just walk away. But this is what I love. This is where I've been living. How do I not judge others? How do I live in the blessing? He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, I'm going to be honest. For years, I use these verses when I'm praying for some big thing in my life. Oh, Lord, I really need you to come through here. I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to knock. I'm going to get desperate before you, God. This has nothing to do with things in your life. This has to do with loving others. God, I want to be a person that loves others and is not judgmental. And this is so hard. And okay, I get that I'm not perfect, so I need to remember that. But I still am tempted to want to love, or to to judge others instead of love others. So God, help me to be desperate, ask, seek, knock, God, help me to love others. Amen? God, I, I need this car. I want this car. That's not what this is talking about. This is get desperate. God, help me to truly love others and not judge them. This is how serious this is and how hard it is. Ask, seek, seek. I've asked, sought, and knocked about a lot of things. God's direction in my life, uh, job, um, circumstances, situations, financial needs, whatever. I haven't done a lot of ask, seeking, and knocking. God, help me to love others. Shame on me. Right? This is what it's... Watch how this continues to flow. Which of you? If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, we would give him a snake. If you, though you are evil, you're fallen, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much, will you, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Luke, he kind of expounds on it. He said like, eggs. Who would give a, a scorpion instead of an egg? I've always wondered about that. Like, why? Well, a scorpion in that day, when it would uh, shell up, like protect itself it looked like an egg and so very common to reach down maybe to grab an egg and it was actually a scorpion he's like what father like hey i'm hungry well go eat rocks like we don't we better than that we love our kids what he's saying here is in this idea of loving others and loving others calls for us to not live in judgment over their lives That you need to desperately pray. You need to recognize you're not perfect. You need to desperately pray about this. And you need to have the Holy Spirit helping you every step of the way. It's the only way. And when we do that, so in everything, we are able to do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law. And the prophets. Lord. Keep me desperate. To love others. I can't say this enough in my own life. As I've walked through this sermon series. I know this sermon. I I could tell you. You could have told me. A year ago. What's in Matthew chapter 6. And I could basically just rattle it off. But sitting and saturating in this, in my life, for the longest period of time now. I'm deeply moved that blessing truly comes when not only do I continue to love God with all that I am. That's the Jesus life. That's what he did. That's who he was. But actually, all these things turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Don't judge. All these things are calling you and I to live into a life that knows the blessing of loving others as we do ourselves. And when I do that, I naturally attract deep community and fellowship from others that are on the same page. And I get to experience the blessing of this together I don't want to judge others not just simply because it's not my role and I'm trying to be God and I'm not supposed to I want to be free from judging others because I want to be free just to love others hard to love others and judge others at the same time, isn't it? I want to be free to to be in a community where we both, we all understand we're flawed, we need grace. I'm not going to sit in superior attitude over you. I don't care. I just want you and I together to experience God's goodness. And so I really need to pray about that. I really need to be desperate for that. It's something intentional here. Ask, seek, knock. It's not just blase, walk in, wander in. It's intentional. God, I realize the blessing of life comes in deep communion and fellowship with other Christians and people. And the only way I can do that is not to be judgy with them. Because no one likes to be around people that are judgy. Lord, I just want to love and so, God, I'm going to need you to help me with this. I'm going to need your Holy Spirit. Because when I live doing unto others as I would have them do unto me, and they do the same, whew, that's a blessed life. You have those people in your life, it's amazing, isn't it? Nothing better, nothing better. No, no possessions, nothing is better than being known, knowing and being known, loved and being loved, nothing better. Father, I just pray today, continue to work in our heart in this area. Oh, Lord, I need your help. I love others, but I need to be deepened in this. Lord, one of the ways is I run away from getting into this mindset of judging people, their motives and their comparison, and I feel better because they're not as good, and blah, blah, blah. Lord, help me to run from that. Help me to remember the plank that exists in my own eye if I live there. Help me to be intentional. Every day, God, help me to ask, seek, and knock. Lord, it's one of the hardest things in the world is to love others as myself. Help me today to love others as myself. May your Holy Spirit empower me today. And in doing so, I move into a life of such rich blessing, purpose, meaning, a life of loving and being loved, serving and being served. Lord, this is where you want to take us. This is a heart transform. Teach us, God, what this looks like. And all God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.